Hey guys, welcome to the Learn Feng Shui podcast, where you'll learn feng shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. So if you're interested in learning feng shui, Chinese astrology, all things Chinese metaphysics, as well as the superstitions and myths that connect it all, you'll enjoy learning feng shui with me. Hey guys, let's dive into it and talk about the monthly energies for April. Hey guys, welcome to April. So we're already getting into uh, the full swing of spring. We're welcoming in the fire dragon energy, um, which brings some much needed relief to people that have been missing fire energy in their lives, which I'll, I'll get into in just a minute. So starting the month off, that first Jechi cycle, which is a 15-day solar cycle of energy for the month, um, starts on April 4th and it goes through April 20th and it's called Clear and Bright. Now, this does also mark and commence what is called Qingming or Tomb Sweeping Festival, in which many countries in Southeast Asia and China, um, they clean the tombs off for the springtime and uh, do some um, ancestor worship, venerate their ancestors. Um, now, after that, so... Uh, around April 20th through May 5th, that is the second cycle of Jiechi. It's the Qi cycle and it's called Grain Rain. And this closely corresponds with the pagan observance of Beltane. And it, that marks the halfway point between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. All right, guys, just kind of looking at the energy of the fire dragon in and of itself. So remember, um, the fire is what is called the heavenly stem. So it sits on top of the dragon and the dragon is the um, element of earth. It's an earth energy. And so when we look at this it kind of as an imagery, we're painting a picture of the sun rising over a mountaintop and it provides light and nourishment and warmth to everything around it. You know, everything starts growing. And of course, that really is the... Um, theme of spring, right? We get renewed life, you know, it's starting to warm up. We're able to plant seeds and plant our plants, right? We're able to, to do that, especially here in the South. It's, I, I don't know if the threat of um, the frost has passed yet, but I'm a big gardener and I'm ready to get out there. I've been, been out there a little bit. So, but anyhow, looking at what, what that means in terms of energy, it really is a cycle of creation. Remember when we look at the element cycle, we want to look at how the elements interact with each other. And that does include um, the uh, what is called the 60 pillars or the 60 zodiac signs so remember you know like um, we don't just have a dragon but it's like a fire dragon or earth dragon or a metal dragon right so this month is the fire dragon and it is a cycle of creation remember the fire uh, it breaks down it creates ash which makes earth right and so I'm kind of looking at that. It really is this this um, time of year where we can be creative and, and really have this uh, nice expression, okay? And so with it being a month that's quote-unquote called the output or the production um, or the creativity, that really, to me, it kind of means that uh, it's like an inner expression of creativity, but also enjoying the finer things in life. And so... Um, I really encourage you this month to do things like um, visit a symphony or, uh, you know, try gourmet foods or maybe you learn how to cook some sort of gourmet dessert or you really learn about, um, you know, the different like tannins in the wine or uh, do things like a, a beer tasting where you taste different kinds of beers, you know. And so something like that where you have to, to really um, 
kind of use like your palate and your senses um, is really going to kind of go a long way to stimulate you, especially if you feel like you've been void of creativity, passion, and inspiration over the last few months in which the fire element has been pretty minimal. So good news for you going into the season of summer, we're getting some extra fire energy with um, next month, we get a fire snake. So we get a lot of different uh, fire energies this year, um, which I think will be helpful. And of course, the season um, of summer itself is the essence of fire. And so, yeah, if you're one that kind of suffers from maybe like seasonal depression or you feel like you do better with fire, I think the next couple months should benefit you, especially if you're a person that thrives on that fire energy. One other little piece of information is there is a solar eclipse occurring around April 20th or so. This is going to affect the um, areas of like Australia, Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Malaysia, I think Singapore. So areas like that. Um, check your local time zones for it because I'm not exactly sure. I just know that it is occurring and from a Chinese metaphysics standpoint, it is said that you're not supposed to go out during the solar eclipse or sit there and actively watch it. And it did say for every minute you watch it, like you'll have so much time of bad luck, you know. And um, I, I'm not even a superstitious person, but honestly, I watched the solar eclipse in 2017 and I don't know what it was, but I had a terrible couple years after that. Whether it's my karma or just, you know, just... um. It, whether it really can be attributed to solar eclipse. I don't know, but I know I'll never watch one again. That's what I know. And so the only explanation I've ever actually heard for this is that the energy is distorted. So the sun is supposed to be this ultimate yang energy that it like shed lights on the problems. It's supposed to, uh, there's a saying that says where the sun resides, all evil subsides. It's supposed to, you know, chase away evil, right? It's supposed to be this ultimate energy that sheds light onto everything. And when that energy is distorted by another planet or the moon, there's a distortion in the way you receive that energy. And it's not a good energy. It's this distorted, you know, negative type of solar energy. So I'll leave it up to you. But I personally do not like to watch eclipses anymore. Let's go ahead and jump into the Zodiac forecast for the month of April. And so one of the things um, that I, I kind of like to go over uh, is the fact that you actually have four different Zodiac signs. And so if you're a new listener here, um, in Eastern astrology, you actually have a, you know, you may be familiar with um, like the sign of the rabbit or the dragon, and you may be familiar with the year you're born, um, but you actually have a Zodiac animal for the uh, year you're born, the month you're born, the day you're born, and the hour that you're born. So you will have four different Zodiac animals. So this could fall in any of these categories. If you are, uh, if it falls in the um, year that you're born, generally this represents like your social circle and um, like the aspect of people around you, you know, kind of like that, that uh, like your friendship circle, okay? And the month represents like more of your career and sometimes your relationship with your parents. The day represents your relationship with your spouse and also how you see yourself. The um, hour actually represents like if you have a downline at work or you have children, um, something that may be like considered your subordinate or somebody that you kind of are over. Um, and it also represents your thoughts, emotions, and feelings. So it could impact a, a, in a variety of different ways. So you kind of relate it to that aspect. Um, let's start off first with the sign of the dragon. 
So I always like to start off with what is called the Grand Duke for the month or the energy that is governing the month, which is the zodiac sign of the dragon. So whenever this energy comes in, it's almost like a all eyes on you situation. Um, and I always just say make choices carefully during these times because it's like you're more visible or more seen. So if you're doing things that are, you know, good and you want to be visible, it could be a really good time for you. But if you are doing things you really don't want to be known, that's when things like that can come to light. So um, either straight up, you know, do things the right way or, um, you know, do things that you want to be seen, if that makes sense. Let's now look at the zodiac sign of rooster. So rooster has a little bit better of a time this month. I think it's a big um, kind of issue or a big concern when you do Eastern astrology. And I know that there's kind of like a little bit of fear created around what if I have the zodiac sign that clashes the energy that's governing the year at what is called the soy po or the year breaker. Um, and it's the energy that's in direct opposition to what is called the Thai soy. Um, and that is the governing energy for the year, which is the rabbit. So the rooster this year, of course, is clashing that energy. It's in direct opposition, but something interesting actually happens. Um, there's actually a hierarchy to, you know, combinations and clashes. And so the dominating energy actually takes over and takes away the clash. And this happens when a combination occurs. I think a clash is the very last lowest level one that you need to kind of uh, consider. And that only occurs with like certain zodiac signs. So if you'll notice there's like, you know, a metal rooster, a wood rooster, a water rooster, right? Um, this year, the metal rooster, if you're born in 1981, will tend to get a little bit more. And that is due to um, the, those heaven stems, uh, clashing also. So we have that, that water, um, kind of dominating and that wood energy that's coming in. And then we have, of course, all this metal energy that is just, uh, overtaken by some of that. And so it's not going to be every rooster sign, but more of the ones that have that metal rooster energy and specifically to do with health. So it doesn't necessarily clash you in, um, a really dramatic way or create really dramatic changes. Sometimes it's very specific and only to a specific zodiac sign. And so um, this is actually taken away again when you have a combining energy. This precedes or pres takes precedence over this clash. And so again, for the rooster, it's going to be the dragon, which is the month of April, the snake, which is the month of May, and the ox, which is the month of um January. So that's going to be occurring in 2024. And so for these months, there are going to be months where this clash is combined away. And you're actually going to be able to probably make a little bit of progress um, in months that it combines and makes things like the, the metal energies, like it, it enhances the metal energy. And so you're actually going to be able to focus a little bit more, maybe be able to be a little bit more organized and kind of make headway, especially if you feel like you've had any setbacks since the beginning of the year or since that solar new year occurred in February. So congratulations. I say just keep taking time, um, especially when you can make headway and when you feel like you can be more focused and um, a little bit more clear headed and take advantage of that time and do as much as you can, you know, as much as humanly possible. Don't stress yourself out either. Um, so one of the things that may have been occurring 
is setbacks for the year. Unfortunately, there's also energy with the rooster um, called the auxiliary stars. So there's these symbolic stars that kind of come in and that's, you know, the, the forecast for the year. Um, but one of the energies kind of creates setbacks. And so again, if you find time where these energies are combined away and you're able to make some headway, it might take away some of those setbacks and you might be able to kind of get ahead. And then when the times that you're having some issues or you're not able to focus as much, um, you know, just it kind of evens out if that makes sense. So make as much headway as you can during these times. Now the zodiac signs that make up the three harmony combination of a dragon, rat, and monkey are, of course, the rat and the monkey. So when these energies combine or they're present in your zodiac and then the dragon comes in, it actually changes things and makes the water element and it dominates the energy that is appearing with the fire for the month. And so when you have a lot of this water energy, sometimes it does represent like emotion and restlessness and I'm just kind of feeling restless in general, wanting to kind of move around and get out there. You know, put that energy to use and keep yourself active if you feel like you're overthinking. It also can create this uh, pattern of overthinking. So um, keep yourself active because that motion and movement is going to help um, kind of refine your thoughts, if that makes sense. So yeah, take the time to work through what you're feeling. Recognize it's just the energy of the month. And um, yeah, just work through those emotions, keep yourself busy and recognize that you may just be overthinking things. And then of course we have one of the strongest combinations that takes precedence in that hierarchy, which is the um, seasonal combination. So these are the zodiac signs that make up the season of spring. So it's the very last spring month, according to the um, Chinese like calendar, you know, that, that energy. Um, we're leaving this wood season again and going into this fire season. Um, and that's kind of marked again by that fire energy of the dragon for the month. But if you have a rabbit and a tiger, um, you could be, you know, experiencing uh, more wood energy because it's, you know, the, the essence of spring, which is this wood energy. And so again, this the same kind of things we've been thinking about uh, in terms of the year with this wood energy dominating, you know, really that growth and expansion and self-learning and knowledge and stuff like that is really going to benefit you during this time. It does, again, represents branching out, making friends, connections, and, um, you know, really uh, just again, connecting. Um, and even on a deeper level, if we think of the yin wood and that root system that that creates, um, you know, that plants, you know, communicate with each other, they speak to each other within that root system. And so if we think about what that means for us, it really does mean like connecting with people on kind of a deeper level and, um, you know, really like reaching out, expanding and uh, trying to reach people on a personal level, you know? So I think that's going to be your focus for the month. Um, also again, if wood is your wealth element, that does mean you could see some financial opportunities, benefits, you know, that opportunity could be there for the month. So keep an eye out for that. Next, we have the clashing energy for the month, which is the dog. So it's a lot like I talked about with the rooster. You don't have no clash. So guess what? Yeah, the dog actually combines with the rabbit for the year, creating the element of fire. So you don't have a clash this, this uh, month. And you really, that clash is taken away for pretty much the entire year. So enjoy that. All right, guys, now let's take a look at the feng shui and let's talk flying stars and monthly shaws for April. 
All right, now looking at feng shui, and uh, we're going to start off looking at flying stars. So uh, flying stars is a system I actually like to use. It's a combination of uh, a yearly energy and a monthly energy, and it kind of shows us where the most dynamic energies are. Flying stars can be activated by simply using the area. Some of these areas I don't recommend using because they do have monthly or yearly shaws in them, so you don't want to overly activate or renovate some of these areas. But first, let's get into flying stars. Starting off, my favorite pick for the month is probably the South. So the South is a little bit challenging with what is called the Wuji Sha for the year. So specifically uh, affecting the area that is governed by the horse, we're gonna not wanna um, overly activate that or even light candles and stuff like that, um, in my opinion. So I personally am not I'm activating this energy for the year, even though it does have some fairly decent energies visiting, one of which is the eight flying star associated with wealth. It's usually called the wealth star for the year. Um, again, using the area, I think is quite fine. It's actually where my front door is. I've had no issues. So um, that in combination with the monthly number one flying star uh, says supposed to be good for um, drumming a business or working in the sector. Um, so if you are one that works on like contracts or you need more work and stuff like that, send your cold emails. Um, I would suggest using the South for this activity. The West has another pretty good combination for the, the month. So it has a flying star six there. Um, again, not an area we want to activate because again, like I mentioned earlier, it's the area or the sector that houses what is called the year breaker or the soy po for the year. And so not only does it affect, this, affect the zodiac sign of rooster, but it also affects the west sector of our homes. So, um, but a good flying star combination with the monthly wealth star eight being there. And of course, good money-making sector. Um, the eight star is not, I don't love for bosses, but the six eight is actually pretty good. You can place employees there, make client calls, uh, follow up on your lead you know good for getting more contracts more work if you need um, something to do more of you know if that makes sense then use this sector um, the Northeast I don't mind the combination of this seven nine it's not terrible um, some people don't love it um, sometimes if you activate it it can create a fire hazard don't um, activate that area so again working in there could be pretty good for sales the seven star that is there for the year representing um actually is that there for the month don't know but the yeah as that's there for um, the year. So seven star that's actually there for the year um, represents, you know, speaking, talking, communicating, and um, being social. And the nine there that's there for the month um, is a good, like, inspirational kind of star. And so I think it's good for making sales calls, right? Um, makes people, you can sell the dream, as it were. So we're in the Northeast for the month, and I think that'll be a pretty good um, energy. So, yeah, you can move your workspace. You can make calls from these areas. You can stick your laptop, your your little um, iPad in these areas and work. Again, I don't, I don't love them for activations, but working and making headway, and that energy will be supporting you there. Moving on to sectors that have some negative energies for the month, um, what I deem the worst sectors for the area. So again, using these is fine. If it's a sector you already use within your home, um, you don't have to like hide from it. 
So I think the most dreaded of all flying stars, number flying star number five, is visiting the east, but it is controlled by the wood that is in the sector, so there's not a need to do anything special there. The thing that probably worries me the most, the sector, the flying star that worries me the most, is the number two star, which is generally deemed the illness star in the north. So remember the north in and of itself is the essence of water, and when we add the two on top of that, um, the two flying star is the energy of earth. It's, it's yin earth. So it's almost like making mud, which can represent illness. And so when you get a combination of that of uh, earth and water energy. So again, if you're one to do salt water cures, um, you can definitely do that. Or you can put up six coins uh, that are, you know, strung together. So uh, if you do the salt water cures, make sure you remove it and throw it away before the beginning of the next month. So the monthly energy, again, it doesn't shift on the first of each month, but rather around the fourth, fifth, or even as late as the seventh or eighth. Um, again, that's why I talk about those jet chi cycles at the beginning, because that tells us when the energy shifts for the month. So this uh, for May, that should shift around May 5th. So you're going to want to remove the salt water cures or jars before May 5th. So remember the flying stars are activated by motion and movement, you know, um, but here we come to areas you want to avoid renovation and digging in for a you know, certain period of time. There is some challenging energies for the year and you can renovate some of these sectors using date selection provided you start on a specific day. Um, and that is specific to your home and your natal chart. So you can't do that with just looking at my lucky dates uh, for for the, uh, for the for the month. There's actually uh, dates that are pretty specific using a formula to calculate that for you. So seriously, if you want to do a renovation in one of these sectors, or if you just can't help it, uh, you know, reach out and, and figure, um, figure out what you can do to kind of uh, either calm negate energy or to um, start on a good day that that works for your house and so the south and southwest again is afflicted by that five tiger shawl for the entire year i don't even i don't even there's actually not a, a way to work around these that's the one thing you can't work around uh, for the year so if unless there's something broken there you know general use of the sector is just fine but don't be digging around you know, don't be renovating stuff. I'll be doing it, okay? <laughs> so the next one is, the, of course, the East. This is for the entire year. Um, but uh, again, um, yeah, that's that's housed by the rabbit and what's called the Thai soy. So that could aggravate and uh, give you some um, issues with, uh, it kind of creates issues with authority. And it can affect the health of like very elderly people in your home and young people in your home. Um, and additionally, sleeping in the East sector sometimes can uh, cause some problems if you sleep in what's called the, with the Grand Duke for the year. Um, the next, of course, for the West, Southwest, and Northwest, um, that directly opposes the energy of the East. It's called the Three Killings, and it can create things like uh, loss of wealth, getting sick, um, you know, there's just some things like that. In addition to that, the Northwest is also governed by that dog energy that is 
um, clashing the, the energy of the month. So even though the zodiac sign of the dog, if you have that in your natal chart, you don't have a clash this month, um, that does still apply to this northwest sector of your home and the area that's governed by the dog because that is known as the month breaker because it clashes the dragon. So within our home, that clash can still occur. And again, it's just an area we want to avoid uh, renovating and digging. And of course, the southeast, because it's the dragon energy, and it is the monthly Grand Duke or the Thai Soy for the month. Let's take a quick sponsor break, and we'll be back with today's Folklore Friday segment, Qingming or Tomb Sweeping Festival. Qingming Festival Explained from studychineselanguageinstitute.org. China's Qingming Festival Explained. The Qingming Festival, called Tomb Sweeping Day or Pure Brightness Festival, is an important traditional Chinese holiday. So I'm going I'm to break here. Um, you notice it's called Pure Brightness Festival, and what is the first Jiechi cycle called? pure and bright. A little aside there. Okay, so the festival is celebrated both in China and among members of the Chinese communities around the world. That main activity that people engage in on this day is cleaning the tombs of their ancestors. The holiday is celebrated 15 days after the spring equinox, usually between April 3rd and April 5th. And like many Chinese holidays, the date is calculated using the Chinese lunar calendar. While the date of the holiday changes slightly every year, it generally falls in early April. Tomb Sweeping Day is an official public holiday in mainland China, and people are normally given one day off, not counting weekends. How did the Qingming Festival originate? The Qingming Festival grew out of an ancient Chinese festival called Hanxi, generally referred to in English as Hanxi Festival or the Cold Food Festival. The Hanshi Festival itself is originally celebrated to commemorate Ji Sitsu. I think that's how we say it. <laughs> a Chinese nobleman in the spring and autumn period. So it notes here that it is around 771 BC to 476 BC. So this uh, Ji Fel fellow uh, was a loyal follower of the Duke Wen of Jin, who was just a ruling duke at the time. So at one point when the duke was going through a hard time, Ji Sitsu cut some flesh from his own thigh and cooked it to keep the duke from starving. When the duke Wen eventually came into power some years later, he sent for Jisetsu, who was living a lonely life as a poor man in the woods near Mount Mian in the Sanxi province. Jisetsu was uninterested in taking up a place in the government, which he saw was corrupt and he ignored the summons. So in order to force him to respond, Duke Wen decided to set a forest fire to smoke him out. It seems um, it's not toxic behavior at all. <laughs> so unfortunately, Jisetsu and his mother were killed in the fire. And feeling remorseful over this death, Duke Wen decreed that the use of fire would be banned for several days to commemorate his sacrifice. Over the years, the tradition of going without fire and eating cold food spread through the surrounding regions and grew in popularity. Early on, Hashi Festival 
and celebrate it in the winter so it could last up to one month in some places. And when it was discovered that eating cold food for an entire month, the dead of winter was not a good idea and did cause multiple people to die each year. Authorities tried to ban the festival, but they were often unsuccessful and the tradition continued. So eventually the authorities moved the festival from winter to spring. So what do people do during Qingming Festival? Well, this Qingming Festival is often referred to as a tomb sweeping day in English, and this name makes sense considering the fact that tomb sweeping was the most important activity that people do engage on during this holiday. In addition to cleansing their ancestors' tombs and making offerings to the dead, people also go on outings to enjoy nature, fly kites, and eat special foods during this time. The tomb sweeping itself is seen as a way to show respect to one's ancestors. The practice is closely connected with Chinese traditions relating to ancestor worship. Tending to these tombs on one's ancestors is a very important part of the Qingming holiday, but since burial practices in China countryside are very different from those in the cities, the process of cleaning the ancestor tombs is different depending on where they may live. So in the countryside, Chinese tombs change very little over the years. It says most are not located in graveyards, but instead found in auspicious places with good feng shui, usually on the side of a hill or a mountain. The bodies of the dead are buried in the ground instead of being cremated. Often all the relatives are in one family group and can be buried together. If the family is not well off, the tombs may be slightly large unmarked mounds of dirt, but in wealthier families, there will be large earth burial mounds with a semi-circular area in front that has been cemented over. And this is where they usually leave the sacrifices and cleanse the, the, the tomb. So in the back portion of the semicircle, there will usually be a raised wall of cement with a rectangular stone in the center of which information about the deceased is carved. And usually there's no freestanding tombstones like those in the West. Um, because of the location of the burial mounds, cleansing family tombs in the countryside can be quite the undertaking. It is often necessary to climb up mountains to get to the graves. And in addition, the dirt grave mounds on the mountainsides often become nearly overgrown with underbrush, which needs to be cleared away. Depending on how long it's been since the tomb was last cleaned, this is often a big job that involves hacking with meat, uh, machetes or probably like a weed whacker, right? When the family are wealthier, they've been able to pay for cement coverings for the burial mounds, and the process of cleaning the tombs is usually much easier. Instead of chopping at the stubborn underbrush, relatives may simply need to sweep away accumulated dead leaves and dirt. In many parts of China, including some parts of the countryside, it's now illegal to bury relatives in the traditional way. In a bid to conserve land resources, the government has even carried out coffin smashing campaigns in various parts of China in an attempt to get people cremated and have their deceased relatives you know, placed in a mausoleum instead. <laughs> so while many people in isolated parts of the countryside still find ways to avoid the bans on non-traditional burial, almost everyone in the city now opts for cremation. Burial plots in the city are usually quite compact and there's no mounds and often no grass. Instead, just rows of stone tablets usually constructed with concrete paths that run between them. And at urban cemeteries like this, a very little grave maintenance is actually required. 
And you know, um, just kind of as an aside, I've said this before, but I grew up um, in an Air Force family and my dad was stationed in Okinawa, Japan for a while. And we did notice roadside tombs and I... I kind of assumed, I guess, when I was older, you know, and seeing them as a child and thinking about back on it, I assumed that it was because of the um, the war that took place uh, on that island. And I know there was a lot of deaths that, that occurred. And I, I kind of assumed that there was markers to the people that maybe died in the war or they died in that place. But now that I think about it, I don't know if this is also roadside tombs, you know, and they're supposed to be very auspicious locations. I do remember one place that we lived when we first moved there, there was a hill and there was like a f- little fork in the road. And in that fork was nestled a tomb. <laughs> so um, I always kind of wonder about that because to me, I don't feel like if they're building around that and there's, you know, cars moving around uh, tombs that that can continue to provide a good feng shui environment for the descendants like, you know, a good feng shui tomb is supposed to do. So if anybody has information on that, um, let me know. So another way this is celebrated is leaving offerings to the ancestors. So in the countryside graves, once the grave is cleared, offerings are usually placed at the foot of the burial mounds on that semicircle in the front. Um, And what's left as an offering varies by families by region. So typically offering in in rural Hunan, it says, for example, might consist of a bowl of rice with chopsticks, a plastic cup of strong liquor, a chicken head, and other pieces of meat. The offering is placed in front of the tomb and the family members set off fireworks and burn incense and paper hell money, which are notes that you're supposed to be able to use in hell to um, like pay, pay your way, I suppose. Um, firecrackers are now banned in most cities. Um, yep, that's true. So now around the Qingming Festival, relatives of those who are buried in the cities may simply visit the graves and burn incense and leave flowers. Another thing they do, which was mentioned earlier, is spring outings. So after paying respect to the ancestors by cleaning the tombs, many people will spend time outdoors enjoying nature while participating in spring activities. And since Chiming Festival usually falls in early spring, it usually coincides with some of the first warm days of the year. People whose ancestors are buried in the city and those who live in cities have not had time to travel back to the countryside to visit ancestors and often just head to the park or other places where they can spend time in nature. One of the popular activities is kite flying. So this is a popular activity during these outings and people will also fly kites in the evening during Qingming Festival. It says colored lanterns are often attached to kites in the evening so they twinkle as they travel through the sky. Traditionally, people also believe that they can increase their chances of having good luck by cutting the string of their kites and letting them float away instead of reeling them back in. Kites are released in this way, are thought to carry away people's misfortune with them into the sky. And as mentioned earlier, because of the holidays association with the cold food festival, people still traditionally eat only cold food during this festival. It says here, while celebrating the holiday in southern China, people usually eat these round sticky dumplings and they're traditionally sweet and green made with the sticky rice and barley, Chinese mugwort, Um, and they're often stuffed with some sort of sweet filling like a red bean paste. It kind of reminds me of the, the moon cake uh, type of fillings that they have during the moon festival. So 
They also tend to eat a lot of, of different kinds of cold pastas. There's one that's eaten and it's seasoned with sesame seeds. It kind of looks like spaghetti. Um, so yeah, generally cold uh, pasta dishes are just the, kind of the theme here. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, I will link this article in the show notes. There's a cool little Chinese vocabulary for Qingming Festival um, little chart at the bottom of this website. And I'll probably be referencing this website again because it actually has some pretty good information on it. Um, information kind of coming up for the month. Um, do check out also if you listen to this podcast and you want to kind of reference it back, back to it, go check out the companion blog post and it has extra information also on there and date selection. And I usually put up something about activations if I see fit to, you know, advise you on activation for the month. So definitely check out those blog posts each month after you listen to the podcast for reference. Um, a little bit of information coming up for April. So um, April is going to be a little bit different. Um, I have a guest next week. I already did a, a guest spot. I spoke with another feng shui practitioner and she is a feng shui practitioner that focuses on healing your inner child and trauma through feng shui. And it's going to be an amazing, uh, amazing little talk. Um, Stacy Scott is going to be joining me next week. So the 14th is probably going to be a rerun. I may have it on autopilot for the next couple weeks because I'm going to be having some oral surgery done, which is not fun, but very necessary. I'll be back um, with a new episode um, that first Friday of May with our May energy update. So again, maybe a little bit on autopilot. I may record a little bit of extra audio uh, just to kind of include some things, but I'm going to put up, you know, the best of type shows. So you guys have an amazing um, month, have an amazing Easter, and I'll catch you guys very soon. For a free energy mapping of your floor plan, please check the link in the show notes. To support today's podcast, go to learnfengshui.com, sign up for emails, leave a review, and share with your family and friends.